0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate and, in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good
2: morning, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Good Morning New York. Today is Tuesday, February 9th, 2015. We're coming to you live from Blastoff Studios in Times Square, New York. I'm your host, Niall Lundgren. We'll get to our featured guests, but before we're here, um, there are a few no- news items that I wanted to mention. The much-buzzed-about highest residence in all of Soho, also known as the Penthouse at 10 Sullivan Street, has hit the market, asking $45 million. The four-story Penthouse covers the building's 14th through 16th floors, as well as its rooftop, and has 8,359 square feet of interior space. The six-bedroom, seven-bath apartment features a private elevator two wraparound balconies, a great room with 25 or 23-foot high ceilings, a private rooftop, and of course, a private pool. <laughs> with our rental projects becoming harder and harder for developers to pencil out in Manhattan as the price of land and construction rises, it would make sense to assume that rental inventory would be shrinking. In reality, however, the the rental market in Manhattan south of 96th Street is projected to expand through 2016 as the pipeline of projects developed over the past several years come to market. The primary of the city is projected to to see 25% uptick in the new rental apartments this year to 4,152 units up from last year's number of 3,313 and then more than double in 2016 to over 8,800 units. Finding a new st- studio in Manhattan is getting more difficult by the year. Listings for new studios account for o- only 4% of total l- units in Manhattan, a decrease from 15% in 2013, according to data from Corcoran Mark- Marketing Sunshine Group cited by the New York Daily News. As of last month, 30 studios were on the market during the same month in 2012. That number was 161. Very interesting. Um, I'm, all, I'm sure you're all wondering where Vince Rocco is right now. Well, instead of Vince asking all the questions, we're turning the tables on Vince today.
3: Oh, yeah.
2: We are all excited. We have the whole panel in the (laughs) studio today. Uh, Vince is going to be our special guest for the entire full hour, and we'll be putting him on the hot seat. Grab your hats, hold your chairs, buckle I, down, everybody. This is
4: my headphones. Oh, my God. going
2: to be my fun.
4: Giddy up.
2: For our listeners out there who only know Vince as the voice of real estate, the one who interviews CEOs, celebrities, and waxes philosophical about the New York City real estate market, there's a real person behind the voice and a reason why he's here today as one of the premier brokers in New York City. Um, Now, it's my pleasure to welcome Vince Rocco, managing partner at Blue Realty Group and 15-year real estate veteran to the program this morning, not as a host, but as our guest. Welcome, Vince. Good morning. Welcome. How's everything going? Good
4: to be back. (laughs)
2: Great. This is going to be fun. Are you excited to be on the hot seat today?
4: I am excited. I'm still a little jet lagged from vacation. I just got back on Saturday, but um, yeah, I'm ready.
2: Just back already. I could see your tan. Uh, I walked into your uh, office today and you look like a million bucks. I'm a little jealous. (laughs) You're going
3: to be the happiest broker this week. I am.
2: Yeah. I am. I'm not dressed. I'm like okay. Still on
3: vacation. <laughs> flops. Yeah.
4: That okay, is so amazing. Where did you come back from? I came back from Tulum in uh, in Mexico. Okay. And, you know, I, I've said to people for for many years now because I've gone for about four years straight, every week, the same time of the year. Um, it's one of my favorite places, if not the favorite place in North America. I just love it. Great. Great. Absolutely. Yeah. My it, favorite too. It's very special. It's in the Caribbean. It's uh, got its Mexican flair, of course, because it is in Mexico. But it's, it's hippy-dippy. It's, um, it's a lot of things, but it's elegant, you know, and it's quiet. It's reserved. Uh, and it's its own little piece of the world there. It's Tell me a little bit about your accommodations over there. Well, I was in a treehouse. Yeah, we were talking <laughs> about that earlier. We? That's amazing. Really? Yeah. I was in a treehouse. You know, it's, it's just interesting because the housing stock in Tulum or the hotels rather are like four stories, yeah. three stories really, Not mm-hmm. nothing higher than that. So you literally come out your door, you walk on this little bridge and you go down a flight of stairs, maybe 12 stairs, and you're literally on the sand. You know, for years we rented a house, a private house. So um, it was a little different this year because we had a house, a big staff, you know, a whole whatever. But this year was very bohemian and very hippy-dippy and just – you open the door from your hotel room and you walk down the stairs and you're literally on the sand. Clothes, you know, whatever you woke up in is what you went down to the beach. <laughs> I can <could> only imagine. <laughs> no shorts and a t-shirt. I mean, it's like no washing the hair and no getting ready. You just oh, nice. go downstairs, cup of coffee in hand, and start the day. 6.30 yeah. in the morning, yeah. sunrise. Oh, wow. Wow. Fantastic. The moon is out on one side, the sun is out
5: on the other
2: Absolutely. Side, it's absolutely oh, it's amazing. amazing. That's, a, that's great. Well, welcome back to New York. We're excited Thank to you. have it's you on the show back. today. Um, before we get into your personal life and background, Vince, I'm curious about your animal side. So a quick question. If you <laughs> Rare. If you were an animal, what would you be, and why? <laughs> well,
4: he's gonna say squirrel. He's gonna
0: say dog.
2: <laughs> How will we let Central Vince? Parts- we'll <laughs> let Vince
4: say, you know? All right, girls. I, I would I, no, but I would have said dog. But I tell you something. Just coming back from the beach, I think I would be a bird. Bird flying over the ocean, flying over the 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 world, seeing everything from up down. Um, their lifestyle just seems to be
5: free. Oh, quite What well, kind of bird? A-
4: Mm, I don't know.
3: They eat in small portions, though. I don't know if I could do that.
4: Well, (laughs) a pelican maybe? A pelican. I I saw them diving from the sky into the ocean, grabbing fish and taking off again. But, you know, just the freedom of flying around and just uh, not having a care in the world. I think I'd be a bird. But, you know, normally before my week at the beach, I would have been jet. Got it. Okay. Well, well, I, like, well, I, like, well I, like I like the, the bird analogy. Whether well, Dad liked me. Uh, exactly. I <laughs> think right. a good life. Yes.
2: <laughs> free free spirit. I, I love yeah. it. Um so I just wanted to bring up some, you know, current events and stuff that you're working on. Obviously you are the managing partner over at Blue. Just curious, on a daily basis, what do you do over at Blue Realty if you could describe kind of your your, your day? Um um, in and out,
4: yeah, my day starts fairly early. I get up in the morning, and if it 's a gym day i 'm in the gym you know seven o 'clock seven thirty ish and then i 'm usually in the office before nine a few minutes before nine. you know managing you know fifty plus agent sales agents is, is a daunting task, yeah. so I have to get my stuff done before they all start coming in you know ten eleven twelve o 'clock in the afternoon. I also do my own business, I have a business partner, and we still do our own deals so in addition to managing people, running a company, running the office, you know, whatever, I have to do my own deal. So my day gets very hectic. And then, of course, a year ago, I can't believe it's almost a year ago, I started doing this program. Yeah. Uh, so that adds another two days of, you know, prep work for each show. So my day is very full. Last Yesterday I was at my desk at quarter of six in the evening and I realized I hadn't had lunch yet. Ugh. I still had two more meetings to go. One of my partners wanted me to meet in our other office with somebody, and I just texted him and said, "You know what? I just can't make it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to do it another day." That's that's my typical day. Got it. I try to get out of the office no later than six thirty. If I'm showing, I could be showing till seven seven thirty apartments. But if I'm just doing you know routine office work, I try and cut the you know the limit at six thirty ish and, and just head on home. Okay. Cool. Well, good yeah. for you.
2: I know it's it's 2015 and boy, time is flying. I mean, you just mentioned we were speaking earlier about the a year ago, how fast it, it came. So it's been about three years since you've been at Blue. Is that right? Uh, January was three years. Yeah. So congratulations on three years. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, prior to Blue, you were at Halstead for 10, right? Correct. Um, what made you switch it up? I know you were at a, a
4: really great position there for 10 years and then all of a sudden... It's a good question. You know, there's the old expression, the seven year itch. Well, sometimes it takes me. I'm a late bloomer, so sometimes it takes me (laughs) a little longer. Um, Prior to that, the only time I spent more than 10 years at a company was at IBM, where I was there for, I think, 13 years. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, real estate started for me at Halstead. It was my first experience uh, with a company selling real estate, and I love that company, still do. Uh, I think um, they're one of the better ones out there. I've been blessed to work with all of those folks. But you know, after ten years and after reaching a certain level of success, I had not only um, done well in resale, but I was also in new development, and sold uh, three or four buildings, you know, for the Halstead Development uh, Division. Yep, it was just time for a change. You know, and nothing, nothing specific. Just wanted to grow. Just wanted to kind of call my own shots, make yeah, my out own of your decisions. Correct. Out of my out of my comfort zone. Now, that's a good question. Probably we'll talk about that a little later. I think for all of us, when you do that, that's where you grow and that's where your success, you know, sustains. So, it was a little bit of a lot of things, um, but I, it was time to go. Okay. Time to go. No, that's that's fantastic. And you know,
2: the real deal data book comes out with uh, rankings, and they had the. The mid-sized firm, the top four, and you know, Blue has been the number four spot for the last, um, f- I think, it was three years. three years. So that's impressive, considering the company that you're keeping. You were stribbling, Warburg, and Core, and you know, Blue is right there. So that's that's really awesome. I was just hoping you'd tell me a little bit about the vision for Blue and how you see Blue gaining more market share to potentially go from that number four to three
4: spot. You know, Blue is an interesting success story. You know, we started about, um, well, I'm there three years, and they were. In business, probably six or seven months before I got there, but the vision is is interesting because we're five partners or six partners, and we all share the same vision, which is very unusual for a collection of partners in a firm. Yeah, uh, so that that helps. You know, that that's number one. We all believe in the same things. We all have the same vision. We all want to take the company in the same direction. So there's no infighting. There's no you know static when we when somebody has an idea or somebody doesn't agree. Yeah, we have our debates about things. But we all have the same target and we all want to get to the same place. And basically, you know, we hire, we try to hire, you know, the best that we can out there, whether the new hires or experienced agents, and we all give you know it's a family philosophy. It's work hard, do your job, you know, keep your nose to the grindstone and just get it done. Yeah. Uh we're 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 available for, you know, uh mentoring and coaching and, and, and whatever is needed. But I think we all uh, have the same goal in that we want to become not a giant company. Yeah. We want to probably get a little bigger than midsize, but we want to sustain and we want to be around the next 20 years. Good, And that's all of our, you know, our vision and our focus. Cool, and I know you know I know all of your partners personally. I think they're all great
2: guys and honest, which you know I think goes a very long way they in this are. business. Um, they're straightforward as well and very well dressed. So I can appreciate that <laughs> in business. Just, I was hoping that you could just tell me
4: just a little very bit well about. <laughs> Did so he he you mean to say
0: that? <laughs> <laughs> Freudian. Mr. but he's true.
4: Mister very well dressed s- himself. Uh, I know, okay. but the
0: style amongst the founders <laughs> yeah. is really wild. It is wild. <laughs> it's consistent
2: and it's good. And I'm a big fashion buff. And yeah, I meet man, them yeah. and I'm like, oh, you guys look great, on. you know? Yeah. So I was hoping, Vince, you could tell me just a little bit about your style, because I think you have an, a tremendous style. Every time I see you, you're looking great. And just wanted,
4: Today <laughs>
0: he's Liberace. <laughs> exactly. I know, and he's got a, a little, little <laughs> flower on his gym zip
4: You button. know, it's interesting. <laughs> style, style is, is really, I laugh because it's, it's, it's a debate sometimes with, with friends of mine, but style is all individual, Yeah. and I think you have to dress for success, and especially in our business, you know, when you're out there with clients, you need to look a certain way. But I've also Been around for a long time, and I've been in and out of you know corporate jobs. And there are times where I just don't want to put a suit on, and I don't. And I feel like you can look as successful or you can feel as powerful and successful in whatever you're wearing because obviously, I think clothes don't necessarily make the person, it's the person who shows off those clothes, or the person who shows off who they are, and it's more. It's more having, you know, a command on your own presence. And I yeah. think that's more important. But, 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 you know, the, the dressing, you know, for success and, and when you're meeting important clients, I think it's important to look a certain way. So, But I like the fact that I can mix it up and I, I can have jeans on one day yeah. or I can have a suit on the next day or, you know, I can have a bathing suit on, you know, a week ago, whatever.
5: <laughs> <laughs> and Trish, I wish I could do how that here. Your client, right?
4: Seriously. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
5: well, it's, it's interesting.
4: I'm having dinner time. with a client tonight and whenever I'm with this, this client of mine, she's always casually dressed in jeans. So today I'm in jeans mm-hmm. and a sweater and that's perfectly fine for me. You know, so you gotta kinda map it to where you are and what your day is about and And who you are. I agree with you. You You must be confident with what you've got on. Yeah. Because you know I'm the
0: jeans girl. But I wear them well. Yes. And then I bring out the suit jacket only when I have a really big deal.
4: Ivy,
6: it's all about the hair. It's all about the hair. (laughs) Last
5: Saturday I was showing something that was thirteen million Mm dollars. So it just depends on your client
6: it a downtown so, property, I'm assuming?
5: Uh, property. It was. It yeah. was. they on Madison Square Park. Yeah. So.
4: <laughs> well, it's funny because my developers used to tease me at the 505 because most days I would show up fashionably dressed but yeah. always with jeans and a sport uh-huh. jacket or whatever. And one of them would say to me all the time, it's amazing how you sell out this building wearing jeans. And I said, you got that right. Yeah,
5: yeah well, absolutely.
3: you know your target audience too. Exactly. Yeah.
4: yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So – it works.
5: Absolutely.
2: That's great. And on the uh, the heels of that, we have to take our first break. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned.
1: Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Visit Blue Realty Group.com. That's BLU Realty Group.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco.
2: We are back. Not only today will I be interviewing Vince, but I've brought the star panel in to help me out. Today we have Parole Brombat from Core, Ivy Ray from Blue Realty, Rachel Elschler from Douglas Elliman, and Phil Horgan from leasebreak.com. Now, we all understand where Vince is today, and he had to start somewhere, as we all did in our lives. And for me, my childhood played a huge role from where I am today. So, Vince, just
4: curious about your background. Where did you grow up? I was born in Yonkers, which is a uh, large city just north of Manhattan for yep. those out there in the listening audience who don't really know the lay of the land here in New York. Um, and I was there till about 13 years old when my parents built a house uh, up in Putnam County, which was about an hour north of there. And that's where I sort of grew up, went to uh, middle school, went to high school, and uh, then went off to college. But that's where I spent most of my time up in Carmel, New York. Oh, in Carmel. Oh, New York. Carmel.
5: Wow. wow. Yeah. I know it. That's I had a f- listing there. <laughs> Good for
4: you. That's fancy. Up
5: on top of a hill, all glass. It was uh, owned by um, uh, Moby, the DJ guy. Oh, yeah, guy.
4: And then oh. this was an
5: owner after him.
4: Got you. So, uh-huh. yeah. it was a really gorgeous,
5: rustic place.
4: Sure.
2: So growing up in Carmel, what was your so dream as up, a child?
4: Well, it's interesting because I think I was always a dreamer, even though I said earlier that I was a late bloomer and I yeah. still believe that I, <laughs> I am a late bloomer even to today. But, you know, growing up as a child, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a television star. I wanted to be a movie star. Okay. I wanted to be a TV news anchor. We're on our um, way here, right? We're on our <laughs> r-
6: <laughs>
4: There's the this late the late. Yeah. Okay. Yes. There's the late blooming, okay? So a year yeah. ago I get to do radio. So go figure. I mean, you know, you can't really plan your life true. sometimes. Yeah. All dreams come true, but yeah. it's you, you spend a lifetime kind of aspiring to what you want to do and who you want to become, and I think that's, you know, when you're in your 20s, you know, you don't necessarily understand things, and I always tell people when you get older and you you walk the earth long enough and you have a lot more wisdom, mm-hmm you see life differently and you have a better appreciation. But um, I always wanted to do those things and I studied acting in college and I did a little bit of this and that and was very interested in getting on soap operas at the time. They were very big and I I could do some really – Cool, hot scene reading and acting class on soap operas. but I could have won an award in those kinds of. <laughs> that's really funny. Just because a lot of your dreams that you had are similar to the ones that I had, Charles. Sure. <laughs> sure.
5: Well, had. that's why you're here. Yeah,
2: soap operas, radio, TV, okay. movies. All right, I like. Listen,
4: that. so you know, it, it doesn't happen for everybody, but somewhere <laughs> along the line. And it ain't over till it's over. No, well, I think
5: Nell's also thinking reality shows. <laughs> well, listen, that's
4: next. That's next. But I still think I still believe firmly in here that I'm going to star in a movie someday. I yeah. still believe that's yeah. going to happen. Not star in a movie, but but be in one. Be in one in a, nice, a good role. Substantial. What do they call role. it at this age? Character. Yeah. Character acting.
6: Speaking yeah. role. Or
4: speaking role. Speaking oh, role. <laughs> yeah. Me not speak. He's, <laughs> He's got to enough duct tape. Speak for days. <laughs> <laughs> <Not now.
0: laughs> All right, Vince, you know, there's a zillion questions I could ask you about Uh, your childhood. But I'm going to actually go from – here's – remember, you've got me thinking about school and kids. Remember a compound question? So I have a compound question for you. So as a child, teenager, or even young adult, was there an event that altered you that would be considered by you as a failure or a great regret that you've managed to transform – into a teaching or a blueprint and have bought it forward and potentially consistently use it in your personal and professional life?
4: That is a compound question, my dear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I have a compound answer for that. Another, we
0: need another hour for that. No, yeah. but wow. just simply, you know, it, people... Consider failures as failures, and it's over.
4: Those of us who are more evolved or more are wise you know, use things. So, yeah. anything, did anything ever happen? No. You know, I don't want to sound, you know, cocky or, or you know, whatever. But no, I, I don't. Wow. You know, I don't really consider anything I've done in my life as a failure. That I've is. always taken the other approach to listen. Things didn't always go well, but I never thought that I failed at it. I just thought that okay, so you're not ready for it, or you didn't do it well. But there's a learning. Yeah, but I'm just
0: asking about a circumstance that you would consider one of those learning situations that has become a fabric of your foundation,
4: you know? Mm, No, No, not really, no. Wow. And and I think, you know, another another, uh, reason for that is because I think, you know, life brings you so many things and and so many things at the same time, especially when you're young and you don't really understand – how to process, you know, what you're, what's coming at you, because you're, you're young and you're trying to grab onto everything, especially if you're a dreamer, as Niall mentioned earlier, and you want to do so many things, as I wanted to do everything and I wanted to do everything well and I never stopped to take the time to say you didn't do that really that great or you were a failure at that I just picked up and went to the next thing Mm -hmm. and picked up and went to the next thing maybe maybe if you you want to call a failure maybe not making it as an actor or not making it as a broadcaster or not making it in in that profession earlier in my career maybe that would have been a, a failure but did it you know Sway me to, you know, do other things. I don't know. I, I think I, I still, even today, think this radio show is a great thing that happened to me almost a year ago. We're going to celebrate a year in another couple of weeks, but it It's kind of like, okay, so what 's next, and maybe we 'll mm-hmm. talk about that later, but that 's what I think all right this is good I, I, I think I like doing this, I think I'm good at it now, what am I going to do after this? Feel well, what like am I going to do answered in
5: the question though because it, your strength is not the fact that you see everything as a learning experience
4: i do so.
0: I appreciate- yeah i didn't want you to get hook uh, stuck on the word failure I just you know I consider you to be a transparent human being. Mm. this is a rare quality. And a lot of people that really are committed to transparency have often had an event where they realized fudging the truth or simply not being a truthful human being, Absolutely. the burden is too great. Absolutely. And they usually have a, you know, so anyway. Well, speaking about cool.
2: learning experiences, I think this is a good segue into you as a teacher. So your first job out of college, you were, you were a bachelor's in arts and education and communications at Iona College. And after that, you became an English teacher.
4: I did. I was, <laughs> I was an English teacher for a year. It's so funny because I student taught uh, on the high school level uh, at JFK High School in, in Riverdale in the Bronx. And, you know, it was the days of, you know, the sweat hogs. Do you remember the sweat hogs on what was it? Welcome Back, Carter. John Travolta's <laughs> television show? And here I am at 20-something years old standing up in front of <laughs> sweat hogs and thinking, <laughs> what is this dude from the country going to deal with, you know, these kids? These kids, they're going to drive you nuts. Well, by a couple of weeks, I had them right here. And they loved me. And I thought, okay, so maybe I'm good at this. Yeah. <laughs> so I got a full-time job after the student teaching thing. And it was sixth grade English yep. in, a, in the middle oh, school that I happened to have gone to. Wow. And although I love teaching, I still like teaching and I still like English. Sixth grade, oh, my God. <laughs> that <laughs> I can only imagine is a whole show. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> after one year of that, I said to the principal, I got to go. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> got to go. Thank you for the experience, but I gotta go.
2: But there you go. I never
4: look back. I mean, I still would love to teach someday. But you know, I think you're still
2: teaching right now, right? I, uh, I, you I, manage a, a number of agents, I, uh, and that, that is a form of teaching. So yeah. I'm sure that in some way helped you parlay into kind of what you're doing. I also know that Perul donates her time to teaching essay prep in Brooklyn. So I think Perul has a, a couple a couple questions about that.
5: Yeah, SAT prep. <laughs> I was like, thank you for the nerd call out on right? <laughs> international radio. It's awesome. That's
2: intense. Um, <laughs> she, her vocabulary is immaculate. I guess, oh, so.
5: thank you. Um, no, I think, it's, I think everybody on this panel is big on giving back. So I think that's just a really small part of um, my experience. Um, anyway, uh, I guess, you know what? Um, I was going to ask you a little bit more about how uh, teaching has helped you in real estate. Um, what are your thoughts on that? That's a
4: very good question, actually, because I think, you know, I, I, I josh about, you know, oh, my God, I had to go after a year or whatever. But teaching to me was one of the most incredible experiences of my life because you're teaching young people how to learn. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you're teaching young people how to understand not only that the subject matter manner, in my case was English and reading, but just how to how to be people, you know, yes. and how to understand you know, life in general. And I've always been that teacher type. And I, and I think all through my corporate selling career, you know, with your customers, you know, with your colleagues, with your friends. And now in real estate, you know, I'm teaching real estate. You know, uh, I, I think teaching, you either have a flair for it or you don't. Uh, and either you like it or you don't. I do. Uh, and I think I teach every day you know, regardless of what I personally feel it is. like
5: I learn the best by teaching. I yeah. do too. It really sort of like it kind of solidifies the foundation of whatever it is that I'm thinking. I think absolutely. you become you a better do.
3: listener. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
5: absolutely. And that's really important
3: for real estate and
5: I think for, for sure. anything
3: but especially real estate. I think a, a new broker may talk too much. Mm-hmm. Or talk about themselves a little bit too much. Yeah. Yep. But I think a, a seasoned broker knows Keeping to, the to focus don't on... say anything, even at a showing, when you're looking at an apartment, don't say too much.
5: Listen to your client,
3: know your client,
5: learn yeah. about yeah. your client. Yeah. And no. we're educating our clients every single day. We really are.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. But I think you're right, Rachel, when you t- say uh, listening, because listening is, is an important skill in anything that you do in life. But I think when you're teaching – uh, and and I'm a great listener because whether I'm managing people, whether I'm just with my friends, whether I'm doing this, you know, uh, once a week, you have to listen, and that really is what I used to love teaching the sixth graders at what eleven and twelve years old, even though my hair used to stand up in those days higher than it does today. <laughs> But that was, that's
6: key. They say you have that's two key. ears and one mouth for a reason.
5: <laughs> well,
6: you have it. Very true. Well, you Why
3: know, do we I have 10
5: new, fingers? The, the newest, ooh, Rachel. That's a whole, that's that's a whole show. That's
3: a whole show. I needed
5: to lighten that yeah. up a little bit. That's
3: uh,
5: Well, speaking, speaking of lighter, what about some funny stories from teaching, um, whether it be your brokers, your clients, or just uh, from your first few deals as a broker?
4: Uh, While well, you were still learning. A funny story teaching, you know, sixth grade, you know, uh, my brother Michael was very young at the time. I think he was in eighth grade when I was teaching sixth grade. So he and his buddies used to come running in the door all the time and say, hey, Vinny, you know, in front of the whole class. Like, excuse me, it's yes. Mr. Rocco, thank you, you know, whatever. <laughs> but they love to just come in and do that, you know, yeah. at least once a day. The, the big 8th graders in the school, right, come oh. running down the hallway, so you know, and then one time a student threw up on me because she was just not feeling well, like standard <gasps> oh. yeah, standard 6th grade. Yeah, exactly. I
5: really wonder why you switched out of teaching. I gotta tell you.
4: <laughs> in my book someday, it, it right? will be, because there, there are way too many stories from, from that. One year yeah. experience is way too many, too many stories, but, you know, um, um, funny deals, and you know, all of these deals in real estate um, are funny. Sometimes tragic, sometimes drama-filled, as we always talk about. But the funniest story in real estate um, probably was one of the easier deals I've ever done, and it was just funny because it just just happened, and it just went, and it did, and and the clients were hysterical, and we'd go out to lunch and and, and drinks and stuff, and just you know, um, funny, funny. I don't I don't know, but just. I think the way I think about funny in real estate is when it's easy, because you can get fun out of it or make fun out of it. When it's complicated and when it's difficult, it's yeah. like, you know, the hair stands up again and you get, you know, all tense. But that's also part of what we do every day, you know. It's the conditioning from school teaching, it's the conditioning from working in a delicatessen when I was a kid, it's conditioning mm-hmm. from, you know, whatever to get you to this point, you know. It's, it's just everything. You also sold baseball cards when you were. Uh... I guy. used to flip baseball cards I as we boy. talked about this morning in my office wow. I used to flip baseball cards as well but this see I'm older know. than Niall so I, I had the Mickey Mantle and I had the Whitey Ford and the Yogi Berra I had all the classics I've got to find those cards I That's respect mine. that wow. Well, yeah.
2: we, uh, we're we about to go to break and I just want to let everyone know that you should stay tuned we have a lot more coming up and we'll be right back after these messages please stay tuned yeah.
1: Stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Visit Blue Realty Group.com. That's B L U Realty Group.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America. At 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to VRocco at Blue Realty That's VRocco at BLU Realty Now, back to the show. Hi,
0: right, these are super, super
1: quick. We are back, Bart. What's it's your quick. favorite word? Um hmm. Hello.
0: Hello. That's, That's a great sweet. one. What's your least favorite word?
4: My least favorite word is no. Ha. Oh great. Mm. What's your favorite food? Alien. Cool. What specific? Dish? We have specific. Pasta. All right, cool. Favorite cocktail. Martini. Uh huh. <laughs>
5: vodka, vodka. Mar- vodka martini. Favorite <laughs> nice. top of the
4: list thing to do. Favorite top of the list thing to do? Um, spin class.
3: Oh, wow. Okay.
5: Nice. That's
3: nice. A lot of inquiries after the show. <laughs>
4: <laughs> mm-hmm. I love spin class. That's
5: Martinis great. after spin class, it is. It, yeah. <laughs> and, got that. and then eat pasta.
4: And then eat pasta. Well, listen, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that <is one> word. <laughs> Burning yeah. up
0: all those calories. So and if it. God were at the per- if God is real, what would you like him to say to you as you walk through the pearly gates?
4: Thank you for being a kind soul yes. and for giving yes. back. I love yes. to give back. Nice. Fantastic. I love that. And that's you nice. do.
5: And you do to everybody all the time.
4: I try.
3: I was going to say job well done.
4: Job mm. well done. Oh, t- yeah. I know
3: that <laughs> one too. Yeah. That's,
4: there you go. That's how I
3: feel <laughs> about you. <laughs> I
5: know you do. Job well <laughs> done. You know, you're such an inspiration to me, to all of us, I'm sure, and to many people. So I wanted to ask you, you asked me this a few weeks ago, who inspires you in this industry, also in general, and Why?
4: That's a very good question. Again, I think you know, I don't think it's one individual person that inspires me in this industry. What I what I take every day is all of you and, and the people that I work with, uh, the brokers, the good brokers, the 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 clients, you know, the, the the people that we deal with on a daily basis. That gives me energy to do what we do every day because you know what what we do every day is not easy. And you know, people out there think that this this profession sometimes is very glamorous, but it's not, you know, it, there's a lot of hard work. So I get my inspiration from each and every one of you mm-hmm. and the people that I work, that work for me and, and my clients and my founders, you know, my, my partners, because, you know, to do this and to do this successfully in well, actually any business, you have to really a like what you do and be kind of, you know, take from people, mm-hmm. you know, in, inspiration from people and then get back yeah, because it, it's really kind of a, a, a revolving, you know, thing.
3: Mm-hmm. I think surrounding yourself with really good people is a lesson mm-hmm. I'm learning. Late in life, I'm a late bloomer as well, like you, Vince. <laughs> and I don't think that I surrounded myself with the best. And they, what's that quote? If you're the smartest person in the room, find another room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think That's I'm just yeah.
5: learning that. Yeah, And, you know, and, environment matters so yeah. much. I mean, it totally. really transforms the way you want to be somewhere, how well you work, um, how well you're focused. I mean, yeah. in general, I just think environment is probably one of the things that we rate – we don't even put on a radar sometimes. Yeah. And yet you realize that it's like either things give you energy or they suck energy out of you. Yeah. If it's the latter, yeah. find another room. And, and knowing <clears throat> for um,
3: sure. are you going to be the most successful in um, being a big fish in a small pond or vice versa? Right.
4: I've always said, you know, we, especially bringing it back to real estate, you don't ever want to be the, the, the biggest house on the block. Okay. You don't want to be the most expensive house on the block mm-hmm. because, you know, you're not going to sell. You want to be down here somewhere so that you can be that voice of reason. You can or be you want to pers- be in an emerging market. Or in an emerging market. Yeah. A- exactly. Well, but, even you know, as- but I it's, agree. It's I, actually, think.
5: I think it's a Lao Tzu quote or maybe it's Sun Tzu. I don't know. It's one or the other, but it says you know, that a great leader doesn't lead from the front or behind, leads from the middle. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's precisely what you're Absolutely. saying. Absolutely. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
4: And yeah. surround yourself with kings. Just be aware. My, my word of the day is I hang aware. out with big people.
0: You aware. Know. Well, that's yeah. Fine. I mean, it's important to hang out with people that are large, conscious, good human beings. Yeah.
4: So be aware. You know, just yeah. that's conscious. that's my favorite word because when when you're aware of your surroundings and you're aware of the people around you, regardless of what you're doing, it, whether it's personal, whether it's business, you're gonna find success because your success is always based on everybody else's input. So just be aware, you know. And sometimes I, I see people who are not, and it just drives me crazy.
0: You know, there's one other line that's really cool. That is, um, at like at the end of the day, you ask yourself, "Have I added right. or subtracted?" Correct. It couldn't be simpler. Yeah.
2: yeah, absolutely, for sure, absolutely.
0: Yeah. That's great.
2: And um, I think Perul had another question that was uh, very. Exciting.
5: <laughs> Very uh, exciting. I don't know about <laughs> that, but, you know, um, taking it back sort of th- in a sequential timeline for you. Um, you know, the, one of the things that I know Niall talks to his brokers about a lot, a lot of young brokers ask me in the office all the time, and that is, where do you build your business in the beginning? Where do you get your leads from in the beginning? And I'm so curious to know. I mean, you switched from, you know, teaching to IBM, and you were like this right person person. Starting out in New York City at Halstead, I mean, where did you start building your business? It's interesting. Where did your initial leads come from? Yeah,
4: it's, it's interesting because my younger mm-hmm. agents ask me the same thing. And, you know, I, I remember, you know, 14 years ago already when I first joined Halstead, you know, I was given a desk and a phone and a computer and said, good luck, you know, pat on the back. Go make it happen. And, you know, for a week or two, I sat there thinking, okay, so, you know, you come from making three, four, five hundred thousand $500,000 a year in corporate, um, sort of successful, you know, you got a paycheck coming in every week, health insurance, come, you know, whatever. And you're sitting there and nothing's coming in. And you think, okay, now how do you do this?
5: It is so scary. Yeah.
4: It's very scary. And I, I think I've said this on the program before, you know, I, you know, I bought and sold real estate before I became a broker. So I had an understanding of what the industry was about. But what I didn't know was how to find customers. You know you think you can do it because you think you can show an apartment, you think you can do it because you understand the business, blah blah blah. okay, I'm great on my computer, so here are all these listings, but who am I going to sell them to mm-hmm. so basically grassroots and this is what I tell my my agents all the time. you know for the first couple of months, I put it out there to everybody that I know. My Personal network, my friends, and I walked around and I shook hands with doormen and I talked mm-hmm. to dog walkers. And I mean, I was in the dog park and I met this lovely woman who became a customer. And so mm-hmm. I just, not, and I don't want to say desperate, but I want to just say aggressively out there and just saying to myself, look, you know, you've got one way to go or another way to go. You're mm-hmm. going to make it or you're not going to make it. Mm-hmm.
5: And you know, I think all of us probably have the experience of you really don't know <clears throat> where your next client's going to come from. No I way. mean, I know. Early on, I worked with somebody who was a $350,000 buyer. And I thought, gosh, I'm never going to get bigger business from this. And she happened to be an executive assistant to someone who then ends up buying, I think it was a $4.5 million property from me. And it's just that. It's like when you treat every person as a potential client, as a human being, as somebody that you respect and you're going to treat. The same as whether somebody's buying a thirty million dollar place or a three hundred thousand dollar place is where I think that you really get your leads. For and
4: I, sure. And, and, and it, it's true. And I think you know, there's a little, little bit to be said about you know the being hungry. You know, when you see that nothing is there just for you to take, like you yeah. you have that comfort zone in, in corporate. You say, well, you know, how am I going to eat this week? You know, how am I going to whatever? And you know, you put some savings away so you can get through those first couple of years. Mm-hmm. But it's something that. You know, goes back to the basics. If you really want this to be your career, if you really want this to work, regardless of what this is, you just make it work. And you just say, again, not, not looking at failure or not looking at anything, but do you want this to work?
3: And not to simplify and things, it. but I think most of the time it's about getting out of the house. Yeah, just Some leaving. Some of the best things that have ever happened to me, both personally mm-hmm. and professionally, I just left the house. Yeah, I didn't uh-huh. want to leave the house. Mm-hmm.
5: And you know what? I, I I do that all the time, like one of my favorite spots in the city. And now any any of you can join me. Um, about twice a week, I'll just go to Gramercy Tavern, sit at the bar, you yes. know? And yes. I can't tell you how many people I meet just from <clears> going to their or. Mil- mil- I can never see that the the Italian place at Gramercy Park Hotel downstairs um, yeah. some of these restaurants I mean I just love to mm-hmm. just go mm-hmm. Ace Hotel sitting there doing yeah, I I do. I do. Ace Hotel is a great place I love doing that so just yeah. get out of the house find a Absolutely. coffee shop to go talk to somebody you yeah. know? Absolutely. Starbucks yeah. is, I mean any in- brokers who are sitting in the office I'm just like just get out yeah, yeah. Get, get
2: outside out. and you know what I yeah. tell my brokers is sit sit down at, at Starbucks and just put a couple listings and maybe your business cards right there my business partner has oh, been oh, doing that hey, for hey. years that's oh, it it's as simple it's as simple as that just put a couple listings sheets down on the thing and people will be like hey what's that It always happens. Absolutely. It's so rudimentary and simple. Absolutely. But it's just about doing it.
4: And if you could do it, you know, more and more success comes to you.
5: Absolutely.
4: Yeah, it's very true. I've told my brokers to do the same thing. My partner actually does that all the time, sits in Starbucks and does his stuff, and that's it. I mean, Get me out of the house. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Totally agree with that. When you
2: talk about – you know, because I know that you were a property flipper before that you got into it. How, how did you – like the transition from that? Did you say – were you just seeing so much success with property flipping that you were like, you know what? I think I'm just going to
4: go. I was on the train one day and I was bored. And so I saw this <laughs> ad in, in, in the real estate cool. section because I always was looking at real estate ads. And yeah. I saw this studio apartment and I said, oh, OK. It's $38,000. I said, I'm going to buy it. There you go. So I went and bought it. And then that's where it started with the flipping side. So um, I just thought, you know, okay, why not? And it, it steamrolled into – and I was still working at corporate at the time. So I did that for a bunch of years and then I really decided, you know what? Okay, this is the time to now take that and turn it into a business or turn it into a career. Um, and it was fun to do that. It was really a lot of fun. You, you know, a little crazy but, but fun. How many projects <laughs> would you say that you flipped before you got into it? So you
2: did seven nice. projects. And do do you still do any? Or when you got into the business, did that did that come to an end? No time.
4: I don't have the time. Number one, but number two, you know, I kind of caught it at the right time in the mid '90s. You know, when the market was just kind of sailing up. Mm -hmm. I mean, who buys an apartment for thirty eight thousand (laughs) dollars anymore, right? Yeah, it's out of control. (laughs) So by the time you know, by the time I got to number seven, it was just not affordable. So you know, now it's like you buy something to live in and you keep it and you stay there and you do whatever. But uh, I would love to do it again if I came across a few million dollars to just say, hey, you know, play money. I would love to do that again because it was a lot of fun renovating uh, some of them. What would be your ideal project? A townhouse. I'd love to buy a townhouse and renovate a townhouse. Oh, that is my goal. Be
5: amazing.
4: Aside from starring in a movie, okay, <laughs> what I'm going to do, I want to reno- buy I, and renovate a you townhouse. You know what?
5: I love the declarations because it's when you put it out there. Like that saying, I am going to do this, is yeah. when you actually do it. So there you go. Both are coming.
4: And we do. Do we have some time? Yeah, we do. We, and I, I just wanted to say one thing because this radio thing is really interesting. And I, I touched on it a little while ago. It's like I always knew I was going to be on the radio, and I don't know why from – probably late teens, early 20s, with everything else going on in my mind, there was always this thing in my head that said, radio, 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 radio. And I'm like, whatever. Okay, but how many years later this came to be? So on your point, Perul, when you kind of think about something and you kind of put it out there and you say, I'm going to do this – that's why I'm, I'm certain that I'm going to be. So you've got to buy a the ticket universe that movie. is funny, oh, no, right? No.
5: It has a sense of humor. You don't know when it's going to boomerang back. You have so. no idea. But that that's the surprise <laughs> does. of life, right? Exactly. That's what but the, it always does. Of life. Mm-hmm.
2: And Vince, when we were talking this morning, you were mentioning um, something about townhouses. Now you wanted to kind of create a niche. And we're going to get to you know the vision, the future of, of what
4: you're going to be looking to do moving forward. If you could just touch on that real quick, um, that would be great. You know, 14 years in the business, you know, you start out selling studio. I still sell studios. I just sold one to a major movie star for his, um, his son. We just closed last week while i was away um but you know you 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 get involved in all different types of of housing stock but i i have a a personal like and love for townhouses and my my dream my partner and i dream about getting our business to where all we do is townhouses Mm. amazing amazing i mean i don't know if it's going to work but that's what again putting it out there Mm -hmm. that's what i want to do so
5: when did you sell your first townhouse
4: uh, my first townhouse I sold probably mm, three years ago. Yeah. But the one I sold last year, early last year, was like a whopper, a whopper. Yeah. I mean, because <laughs> the prices have gone to, to right? astronomical numbers. Amazing. It's like yeah, really crazy.
5: So, what was your uh, what was your First big break, because I think we all remember that first one that sort of puts us on the map. What was that for you?
4: It, uh, it, it, was, a, it was a condo. It was on the Upper West Side, West 80th Street in a, in a small, very nondescript you know, uh, walk-up building. And it was my first sale customer, actually. So I was only in the business about three months. A friend of mine, you asked before how you do this, Perul. Yes. So uh, you just put it out to your network. And mm-hmm. my friend Linda called and said, hey, you know, I've got a new manager. He's transferring in from Chicago. Uh, and he wants to buy uh, an apartment, and I thought, okay, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. So we, she sets it up. We meet, and his budget was like up to six fifty. Fourteen years ago, that was a lot of money. Yeah, uh, and he was a great guy. He's still a very good customer of mine. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, he, we went out two times, and he. Ended up with the one he bought uh, after just two showings. And so I amazing. thought I was hot shit. Yeah,
5: <laughs> uh, You are, Vince. You are.
4: <laughs> <laughs> two or three months in the business and my manager said, how much was that apartment? I said, six fifty. He said, how'd you do that? I said, what do you mean? Yes. Don't worry oh, about it. I'm Vince Rocco. <laughs> I'm Vince Rocco. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Exactly. Good to meet you. So that, that was my first sale, really, and it happened really quickly. And it was probably one of my um, – more fun deals because he is just a delight. He still is. He and his Mm -hmm. wife are just lovely people. Okay. Well, good. We have to stop right there. On the other side of the break, we'll continue
2: our discussion, so stay tuned.
1: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com visit blue realty Group.com. that's b l u realty Group.com. stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number 1 internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com you are listening to good morning new york real estate with vince rocco
4: But I will tell you that doing this now for the past year, it has raised my profile as an agent in this town. People who I didn't think knew who I was all of a sudden seem to know who I am. So, from a uh, from a colleague perspective, you know, I think I've gotten uh, more of a, a name or reputation. I Vince, am- I
5: would say actually, anybody I talk to about you, just a side note knows exactly who you are and this is before the radio show i'm just really absolutely absolutely they've come up in a lot of conversations so you're better known than you may you may even know.
4: Thank you. So, but, but, so uh, with that said, I'm also um, finding slowly, not as much as TV, but finding slowly that the phone is beginning to ring. And I am getting emails, you know, and I'm getting uh, text messages. And I'm like, okay, so I can say I have closed a deal as a result of the radio. But yeah. I would say there's a couple of things in the hopper that yeah. have come from this. And, you know, again, after a year, that's not bad. Yeah. Nice. It's not bad. And who from the show.
3: Gave you the biggest—I don't know—the most fun, the biggest memory. Who, what, who left you with with more than anyone else besides us? Because I know you love us. Is there no. one? Is there one guest that that sticks well, out? Well,
4: I was going to say, and not to be cheesy, but you know, I really enjoy the panel—you know—conversations that we have more yeah. than the featured guests sometimes, and I mean that sincerely. Because as I said, as I said earlier. Yeah. I still learn from everybody, and whether it's you guys, whether it's the people that work for me, whether it's my partners, whomever, friends, Absolutely. I still learn from everybody. If I, you know, if I were to pick a, a favorite <clears throat> guest, um, you know, I liked a lot of them. I think Michael Gross, who's the author of uh, uh Fifteen CPW, I really liked that. That was interview. a good one. Yeah, he was very informative, and he was a really nice guy. Jason Bin. Uh, was also really fantastic, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know really connected with the hollywood and the, and the music industry and whatever and he was so full of stories and and a really good guest and um, so I mean there have been a few of them through the through the year, but yeah. I honestly really like and I tell richard who 's not here today my publicist uh, he 's uh, on a business trip, but i We look for for reasons to get you all more on the air than just having the (laughs) future guests. But, you know, people out there want to hear a a big name, whatever, so we do that. But I enjoy this a lot more. It's more conversational. It's more comfortable. We're all talking about what we do every day, Mm -hmm. right? So that's what people want to hear.
3: I agree. But I do have one – one day you had somebody on and he was talking about a new rental development in Queens where I'm from, Rego Park. I took that information. Sent it to my client, who happens to be a celebrity, and it was not a neighborhood you know she was thinking of, and I did a rental, not a lot of money, but great for the relationship. Mm-hmm. She is beyond happy, and it's because of that show that's right where he mentioned that was a mm-hmm. new development of his, and so that was my favorite day, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, now there there are lots of them, mm-hmm. and you know i I say sometimes, okay. you know. To, to my partner and to, and to Richard, my, my publicist and whatever, I would love to be able to do this every day. Yeah. You know, the, it's just one of those things. It's an hour uh-huh. in the morning. I would just love to do this every day and maybe you know, that's next somewhere down the road. I don't know. We'll see. What's next for Vince Rocca?
6: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, let me uh, take it over from here. Hey, you doing, Vince? Mr. Phil. Yeah, how's it going? Uh, I have a question for you. So if you can get one guest on the show with the waving of a, a magic wand, who would it be and why?
4: Very good question. Um, I have been trying for a long time to get, um, Rudy Giuliani and or Ooh. Mike Bloomberg, ah. uh, and you know, listen, they're they're big names, they're big gets, as they say in the business, and you know, hopefully at some point I can you know score that. But you know, Rudy Giuliani, I wanted on the 9/11 tribute show last September because obviously he was an instrumental part of that. Yeah, uh, the show we did was was wonderful with with uh, Edie um, Lutnik. Anyway, but you know, he he is uh, quite the New York person, and Mike Bloomberg, you know, for the last. 12 years that he was uh, running the city through all kinds of uh, shenanigans or whatever. Uh, big New York name, big New York real estate name, this uh, yeah. hugely successful, you know, person. So those are two names that, you know, always float around my desk and Richard's desk as we try and plan, you know, what's coming up, you know, next. <laughs> Donald Trump, you know, some of these names that, that you know, fall on onto the desk, right. whatever.
6: So we're, we're, get, we're, getting, there. we're great, getting there. Great, great. Um, you had certain expectations coming into the show, doing, doing a radio show. And I'm curious how the actual show and, and the reality of the situation compared to what your expectations were and maybe what you learned from it. You know, coming in, the expectation was, OK, you know, um,
4: sitting in that chair for the first day, I was like, oh, my God, I think I'm going to have, you know – a problem, (laughs) needing to run to the bathroom. I mean, how do you do this? I've never really done this before. Live this and live that and push this button and talk into the mic. It's like, okay, whatever. So the expectation really was to just get through the, the show. And then the second week was like, okay, so I did it last week. Just get through another one. So I didn't really have too many expectations the first couple of weeks. And then once I got comfortable with the whole format, right. then I started saying, okay, as you know, Rachel asked before, the expectation was, all right, how can I then make this show work for me as a real estate professional? Mm-hmm. Not only do I want to be able to educate the audience out there, not the New Yorkers, because New Yorkers know New York real estate, but people in Switzerland and people in Israel and people in you know, Peoria, Illinois, who don't know New York real estate. And so teaching and and educating that was the expectation getting that right and getting the right message out there picking the right panel picking the right guest uh, so that was the original expectation do I think we've lived up to that yeah I do I think we've lived up to that really nicely now where I want to go with that you know I don't know but but mm. definitely move forward right. for sure
6: oh that's great um, switching gears a little bit I'm curious since you have been in the business a long time how you see the business of being a real estate agent changed or has changed? It's that, that's an interesting question because, you know, I'm old enough in the
4: business and believe me when I say old enough, I mean 14 years in the business. This doesn't seem like that long ago. (laughs) But you know, when I first became a real estate agent, when I was flipping apartments, you know, as Niall asked before, you know, you had box ads at the New York times on Saturday and Sunday, Mm -hmm. there was no internet. I mean, there was internet, but there was no real estate internet. You know, the, the first, I think Halstead was one of the first companies that came out with pictures and floor plans Mm -hmm. On a website that you could look at. So, you know, I have seen the the migration from really box ads in the New York Times. Even as a new agent, when I took a listing, I had to spend three hundred and fifty dollars to put a little ad that you needed a microscope or micro uh, what do you call it to read. I so, you know, we've come from there to where we are today with our smartphones and everybody's got beautiful uh, websites and and all of these applications now that you can use for real estate. So, I have seen, and again, in a very short period of time basically no technology in real estate, to super technology. And as a result, I think the customers have gotten smarter. We all know our Mm -hmm. buyers are much more sophisticated much more in tune with what's going on because they can see everything that Mm -hmm. we can see. We Mm -hmm. had a captive audience when I first started. If you weren't working with a broker, you missed on everything. You really did. So today – you know, we we help them along, but they can see everything that we can see, and it, it makes our working relationship a little more challenging, but, but I you think know, better. We provide
5: for, context, though, and I don't, don't think we can underestimate that.
4: Correct. Mm-hmm.
3: Absolutely. We yeah. provide real-time information. All the, yeah, all the
5: information in the world is not worthwhile if you don't have a good context to, to be able to Absolutely. really sort of – put it into a picture that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, really yeah. So I really think that we provide a service that even sometimes we underestimate. For example, my buyer,
3: a new buyer, it sent me all these links to properties he wants to see. And I looked um, each one, looked them up, spoke to the broker, confirming they're still available or in contract, offer accepted, none of them were available. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, the Internet is great and informative, but it's not real-time information. Yeah. No. And we do and that, provide yes. And not only that, yeah. it's also yeah.
5: even, in, it, even what you look at at a certain price point, it can be so varied. You never know what you're getting, if it's priced right, if it's not priced correctly, whatever. And yeah. we are still the people Absolutely. who can really navigate through that process. The
4: checks and balances for sure.
6: All right. So uh, one more question I have. Uh, you've held a lot of different titles in real estate. You know, I mean, you've been a new development, you've been an agent, you've been a manager. And I'm curious how you think they compare just more in a, just from this perspective of what's the most rewarding to you. Um, what do you get the most out of? Um, you know, you've, you've probably more than any of us have held all different positions within real estate.
4: Yeah. You know, well, I came into real estate from, <clears> you know, manager or positions, you know, in my corporate life. So managing today is not a big deal, so to speak. And I don't mean to diminish, you know, that role because it's, it's an important role. But, I think, if I were to stack them all up, I think I' found the most reward in my real estate career so far in new development and selling buildings. Mm-hmm. I, I really love mm-hmm. selling buildings in fact, you know i i 'm always on the lookout and always rattling the cages of my developers and my former developers to do something, please, I want to get out there and <laughs> sell a building. Right. Because it's not as easy as you think it is and a couple of you have had the same experience. It's not as easy as you think it is but it's so rewarding because it's a very difficult – you have to sell each of these apartments you know, multiple times before one sticks. So what does it do for you? It really brushes up on your negotiation skills, on your people skills, on on a whole bunch of things because you're doing it day to day. Not to say that I don't like being an agent because I do. Not to say that I don't like being uh, a manager because I do. But, you know, if I were to do something, you know, again, really with all of my heart, it would be a, a building. I'm chomping at the bit to yeah. get a building to sell. So when, when we ask you
2: what's next for Vince Rocco, yeah, That's is that it?
4: No. Well, you know, maybe. It's a loaded question now because – As I said earlier, there are so many things that I want to do, and I just – the best part about it is I just don't know what's next, and that's what's so exciting for me. It could be a development. It could be television. It could be a bigger radio show. Wow. Townhouses. I don't know. That is fantastic. Well,
2: guys, listen. Thank you so much for everything. We are at the end of our time. This has been an absolutely amazing show getting to know Vince, the man, the myth now the legend, um, <laughs> and uh, one of the best in the business. And we'll be tuning in next week, and uh, we'll see you next week.
4: Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Yeah!
1: Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.